Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. So Moses is again speaking. Be of good courage. Again, his pom-poms are up in the air, pushing back, pushing back, way back. So they, they went out and they, they, they spied the landscape of 23. Then they came to the valley of Eskal. These are the, 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 the spies. And there cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes. And they carried it. I mean, this, this cluster was so large, they carried it between two of them on a pole. The, the size was absolutely amazing. The land was just like God said it was flowing with milk and honey. The agriculture was, was rich. Milk speaks of goats and, and, and animals, you know, that produce milk. And today we would say cows. And it, it flowed with this. I mean, it was just, you know, they, they didn't have to, like, in, in Egypt, they had to irrigate from the Nile to, to get the water into the farms. But this land, God would open up the heavens and pour out the rain. It literally flowed with, with milk and honey. Verse 23. Then they came, oh, verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses. Here the spies come back. And, and they told them and said, we went to the land where you sent us. Just like you said, Moses, it truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. It, you know, it's like, you know, God, uh, what, what God said about the land is true indeed. And they, they had literal proof, physical proof. Now, it wasn't a matter of belief. They could touch, feel, smell, and taste, and they literally saw this land is amazing, just like God promised Abraham, our fathers. But then watch, watch verse 28. 28. Nevertheless... You can say, uh-oh. Now's the place to say, uh-oh. Despite all that God had done for them in Egypt, despite all that God had done for them at that holy mountain, despite the huge pieces of fruit, and they also had pomegranates and, and figs and the rest, they, they, they had tangible proof that, that everything God had said about the land was true. But how did they respond because they saw with their eyes, but they interpreted with their minds. Do you, you get it again? They saw the fruit with their eyes, but the problem was their minds. And there are things God has set before you. The problem is not the table that God set before the presence of your enemies, but the way you see it. You keep missing meals that could be yours in the presence of your enemies because of the way you think. The problem is not our God. The problem is in how we think. Nevertheless, the people. How many times have we walked away from God's best, God's plan for our lives because of people? And please, I get it. People can be scary. How many of you know people can be, be scary? But Benjamin Franklin said, if you fear God, your enemies will eventually fear you. So as scary as people are, sometimes I have to make a choice. You or God. I remember, and I tell you this story, and this doesn't harken back to, you know, these sensitive days. People don't behave like this. But, but the neighborhood I grew up in, when, when things happened in the street and a child ran home, uh, often it would be the parent standing in the door and saying, you have a choice, little one. You're going to fight that bully? that chased you in, are you going to fight me? And most kids made the right decision. 
And in life, God's like, you have a choice. You could deal with the devil or you could deal with me. And sometimes we make that wrong choice. The people who dwell in the land, this was their excuse. And, you know, if you're looking for an excuse, you will find one. So the people have, I mean, God has done great things, great things. The land is exactly like God said it would be. But watch what they do. The people who dwell in the land are strong. But I mean, if they were really thinking, wouldn't they say, well, weren't the Egyptians also strong that God wiped out? The cities are fortified and large. Was not Egypt large? Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The the people, by the way, of Anak were considered giants. But didn't Egypt have the biggest and the most powerful army on the earth at that time? So instead of seeing the confirmations as, as God strengthening their faith, they looked at every single detail with a lens that gave them an excuse. And it, well, I, I feel like I can't do this. I'm not doing this well today. But God has confirmed so many things in our lives. I mean, as the preacher says, he has brought us from a mighty long way. He has taken us through, through, through dangers and toils unknown, and he has kept us. But somehow he can't fix your marriage. Somehow he can't fix your finances. Somehow he can't get you a job. Somehow he can't meet your needs. Somehow God has abandoned you. He has done all these things, but somehow you can't see a future. The problem's not God. The problem's you. I'm not talking to you, the neighbor, but the problem's you. The problem's right here between your ears. The problem's your attitude, your mindset. And God is trying to screw up the top of your head today and pour in a new attitude. The problem is not a lack of opportunity. The problem is your attitude. I wish I could preach this right here. There were 12 spies sent into the land. Ten of them came back with excuses. Only two had the lens to look at the promised land properly. So Caleb now distinguishes himself. The majority says, we can't do it. They give this this knee-knocking report. And these are pastors, by the way, and... When the people heard it, they began to murmur. They began to complain. They they got anxious. And Joshua, single-handedly, all by himself, calmed the crowd down. He wasn't getting help from nobody. And he said, let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. You see, Caleb was from the Abel clan. He believed God was able. They all attended the same church where Moses preached. They all were on the same journey from the same 
neighborhoods, attended the same church. The only difference was their attitude about the things that they saw along the way. Are you? But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able. They were from the we are not able clan. And what determined your clan was obviously not heritage. It was not genetics because they were all genetically descendants of Abraham. The issue was the mind. And we're talking about being renewed in our minds. You will never be able to do what God has called you to do until you get your thinking right. Now, thank God for the shouting. Thank God for the dancing. But I didn't say it it will happen when you get your shouting right. No, it's when you get your thinking right. And it's when you have your thinking right, you get your shouting right and and your dancing. Right. But the men who had gone up with him said... We're not able to go against this people, for they are stronger than, 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 than we are. But the, the question was not how big was the problem, but was how big was their God? You see, everyone saw a giant, and because of it, they ran. But David's attitude is, you know what? He's a giant. He's too big for me to miss attitude. No, no, you don't understand. They saw a giant too big to beat. David saw a giant too big to miss. The most powerful government on the planet at the time forbid Daniel to pray. But he kneeled before God because he believed in a God too big to be ignored. Jesus faced a death too brutal for even his own and closest disciples to accept. But after he did it, now over one-third of the planet accepts Jesus Christ, at least say so, as Lord. Attitude. 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 But the 10, verse 32, gave the children of Israel a bad report. Please understand, the report of the doubters contained some facts. There were major people in the land. There were some, some powerful armies in the lands. But the reason their report was called bad, now by the way, bad means bad. It means it's a moral thing. Pay attention. Your attitude is a moral decision. Your attitude toward the opportunities that God presents before you is moral. And if it's moral, that means it's something we're going to answer for. That punk attitude of yours, the person next to you, is an attitude. It's a moral decision. It's not just the way you were raised or your... It's a moral decision. Crisis has a way of revealing who we really are on the inside. 
and they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Why? Because they were focused on people and the facts instead of God. So here's the question. Whose report are you going to believe? I heard what the doctor said. I know we, we don't even have checkbooks anymore, but, but I know what, what your bank account says. I, I recognize what the people around you may say. But what did God say? And when push comes to shove, whose report do you believe? So here's the bad report. And many of us give bad reports and we call it prayer. That's why God had to say to Moses at one point, Moses was like, you know, oh, the, the Israelites are behind us and, 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 and all the rest. And, and God said, why are you crying out to me, Moses? Lift up your staff. Moses, I've already put in you what you need for this moment. You already have it in hand. Use what I've given you. And many of us are crying out to God to help us, and God has already given us what we need to get through it if we would just use it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Prayer is not an excuse not to act. Okay. All right. 32. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Here's what I feel like God is saying to me. Some of y'all keep giving me a bad report. God said he would do it. God confirmed that he would do it. And you keep coming up with excuses why God can't do it. What more could God do to convince you? The problem is not the weakness of the evidence, but the weakness of your faith, your, your, your in, unwillingness to make a decision about the things God has already shown me. I know for me, I'm at a place in, in my life, God has done enough. If he never does another thing, I ought to have courage for everything I will ever face again in this life. And many of you in this room, you've been through enough. You have, you have been through enough. There's not, one, there's not another thing needed for you to be able to trust the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength. There's not one more thing God needs to do to convince you that he's faithful. The issue's not God. It's us being so slow to believe, so unwilling to take the risk and the chance. Come on. Come on. And they gave the children of Israel a bad, a bad, a bad report. This is what they said. The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. But my parents taught me the bigger they are, the harder they fall. And he said, there we saw, see the problem? There we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak here. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Here was the real problem. Here's the real problem, Grace Church. Our own sight. 
The problem was the way they saw themselves. You see, I don't care how deep the water gets. If I'm sitting on the Lord's shoulders, it don't matter. You understand? No, no, no wave can take me down. You understand? I might be an inch tall, but I stand on the shoulders of a God who sits high and, and reaches. Oh, and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And what God's saying to me is, boy, I've set before you some things. But the issue now is how you see it. Now, I've said to you before, you, 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 you can waste all that money if you want sending that child to college that don't want to go. But if he don't want it, I don't care how much you want it for him. She said, wasted money, wasted money. And God is saying, as much as I may want it for you, if you don't want it enough to get rid of that small thinking, if you don't want it enough to, 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 to get past all your excuses, if you don't want it enough, as much as I love you and want it for you, and I feel like the Lord is saying to me and others in the room, you, you got a hard choice before you. Yeah. Yeah. You can make a decision to believe me mm. or come up with another excuse. Jesus. And actually with these folks, they wasted the rest of their life. Yeah. God had to wait for this generation to die out 40 years, raise up a new generation. And there are some things that God has for you. That if you don't step in, somebody else is going to take. Yeah. All right, stay with me. There we saw the giants. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. Their problem was not a line of coke. It wasn't a girl named Sadie. The problem was their punk attitude. You may not have a problem with Sadie. You may not be thinking about that next line, and because of that, you think God ought to be pleased. But what God's looking at is the heart. And last I checked, I served a lion of the tribe of Judah. And I think it was Alexander the Great who said, I, I'd rather a lion who leads a pack of sheep than a pack of lions led by a sheep. And God is saying, you need to get that roar. The problem's not you doing this and not doing that. The problem's right here. And until you let God's word adjust your thinking, until you change clans from, from, from God is not able to, to, to the able clan. Until you change affiliations, change your mental orientation. Until you begin to see life through God's word instead of through your excuses. You're going to keep missing opportunities. That would be yours. Now, I can't prove this, but the Bible says when we get to heaven, he's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. Well, I can prove that because the Bible says that. 
But what I can't prove is, I think the reason we're going to be crying because we're going to look at opportunities. He's going to let us look over our lives. Say, man, I wanted you to go in there. I did everything to get you to go in there. I got you everything to get you to go, but you wouldn't. Now, I love you, and heaven is still yours, and, and I'm going to comfort you, but I had so much for you. And Jesus is going to hug us up and begin to wipe the tears from our eyes when we see what could have been. I don't want to be on my deathbed haunted by the ghost of what could have been. The ghost of woulda, coulda, shoulda, brewing around my room right before I die because I didn't have the right attitude. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. But after I think about who is for me, who is with me, who lives inside of me, as frightened at times as we might get, when I think of his goodness, like I said, no one, I know I'm repeating myself, but no one can make you feel inferior without your consent. They made a choice to see themselves as grasshoppers. They made a moral decision that God called bad. And there are opportunities God is setting before you that God is saying bad. Your attitude is bad. It doesn't matter who they are, God before you, who can be against you. Okay, I'm going to wrap up this pointed message. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And watch this. And so we were in their sight. It's amazing how you see yourself impacts the way others see you. But, but what I'm learning in my older age after I turned 30 If God sees me worthy of love, if God sees me worthy of his spirit, if God sees me worthy of his grace, who am I to argue? If God says I am the head and not the tail, if God says I am above only and not beneath, if God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, Who am I to argue? Woe to the man, woe to the woman who argues with their creator. If God said it, who are you to question it? You may not deserve it. That's not the point. You may not be good enough. That is not the point. You may even mess up. That is not the point. The point is, God is good enough. The point is, God's grace is sufficient. The point is, even if you mess up, God knows how to fix a thing. God knows how to turn a thing around. The issue's not you. That's your problem. The issue's the God you serve. And I'm going to... Here's the summary of my entire meandering message this morning. Here's the, here's the summary. Here's the conclusion of it all. Get over yourself. Come 
Get over yourself. Get over yourself. That's where you need to stand and give God a shout. And get over yourself. God's saying to me and you, get over yourself. I've done it before and I'll do it again. I've done it through worse people, more messed up people. And I'll do it again. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.